Hello and welcome to episode 51 of Songs from a Padded Envelope. My name is Steve and I'm here with co-host Ben. Hello, Ben. Hey there, Steve. I've got a squeaky chair today. I'm really sorry if my chair is super squeaky. <laughs> well, well, that's okay. I've put my pencil down, so there'll be none of that tap, tap, tap. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to swear at myself when I'm editing <laughs> today rather than you. <laughs> uh, Kate Sattler makes music under the name Sweet Freeze. And as you'll hear, I stumbled across her music randomly on Twitter. We knew, <clears throat> we knew nothing of the rest of her story going into this episode, Ben, but came out the other side, having met and spoken with a uniquely fascinating and intriguing musician. Really, and for someone that described themselves as very um, uh, shy and uh, someone who th- felt a bit sort of self-conscious about being interviewed and talking about her music, that didn't come across at all in the conversation. She spoke, she was really, really erudite, and uh, I loved the way she talked about her music making with such passion. Yeah. I mean, it's a unique episode for a number of reasons. I think we totally lucked out um, on the the other aspects of Kate's music make, making and what drives it and her, her inspirations and her creative life around music, but also, um, the, you know, off the back of, you know, a random post on Twitter where she posted a song that she'd done a cover version of and you, and all of that is spoken about in the episode um and i didn't even really delve into anything other than a few tracks on a soundcloud when i sent the invitation like oh let's speak to this person who's done a cover version of a song and posted it on soundcloud let's speak to them what a and then you know what a what a treasure trove of of uh stories and approach and it's fascinating it was, it really was. And, you know, she sent, um, she sent quite an extensive sort of biog over it ahead of the conversation, didn't, didn't she, with some kind of pointers around uh, some of the sort of personal issues in her life, like, like some major health concerns mm. that really have a big impact and a limit on, on Kate's life. But they haven't, though they like constrain her personal life, they haven't constrained her music making, nor her desire to collaborate and the sort of generosity of spirit in terms of sharing her musical sort of um uh connections with other people and linking people up which was really deeply impressive wasn't it yeah i loved i loved that part of the conversation and the way that she talked about and the the sort of language that she was using around collaboration and supporting people was it really resonated with both both of us i think and one of the other aspects that i thought was really um um familiar to us was the sort of improvisational um approach that she has or the instinctive approach that she has to making music and yeah i i i'd quite like to try that it feels terrifying and but it also feels <laughs> oh, yeah you I mean you just don't know. I, I mean i love that i've not heard someone talk about it in the way that she does in this episode yeah for sure the very the like the instant nature of it and when when you when you're listening to um, to, to the music that Kate makes, which is really, really gentle. And uh, you can kind of hear, you can hear some of the stories in the construction of it when you listen and, and pick out individual sounds and listen to the way that she's kind of layered her music. You can kind of see the construct in it. Um, and like you say, it is, it is really appealing. And, uh, and I, th- I thought, I love the way that she talked about it and the fact that she was, she's able to openly admit 
how much she enjoys listening to the music that she makes, even yeah. though her music is made in the instant, often improvised from like one tiny little idea. But going back to to, to her music is very very joyous experience for her, isn't it? Yeah, and it and it's and it performs a, a number of different functions and roles roles for her. She also she she uh, uh, talks about um, recording lyrics in the in that same sort of instantaneous way she does describe them in the conversation as being uh esoteric but that's not what she meant she did send a little email to say actually that's not what i meant what she maybe meant was that they they are a, a metaphysical um because that's the nature of her music and uh so I'm, I'm happy to make that correction uh on on kate's behalf and also in the conversation she talks about uh she tells a story involving the meat puppets uh, trying to press gang her and her friends to go and uh, no humorously encourage her and her <laughs> friends to go and see them play um, jokingly begging them uh, and she sent a correction to that story as well saying that it wasn't meat puppets it was they might be giants um, and that sort of fits a little better than meat puppets you can't imagine meat puppets going around saying please come to our show although you can imagine <laughs> you can. they might be giants doing that <laughs> you can yeah and but they were got... absolutely I loved I've only saw that only saw they might be giants once but they were astonishing astonishingly good yeah there's some there's some great there's some great stories about the the scene setting from from mm. kate from her from her early really early entry into music and some of the bands that she was going out and seeing which you wouldn't draw a draw a line between the music that she's making now but um yeah what a what a great beginning for music hey eh? yeah god jealous so yeah, jealous very, of some of that very stuff. jealous indeed Blimey, yeah. yeah i'm not even going to try and hide that i'm <laughs> massively envious of some of the, those live music experiences that that kate had she mentioned as well about um uh grow she doesn't mention in the episode about um the fact that growing up in minneapolis that that prince is um a massive um touchstone in her life and and uh um a point of reference and or an inspiration for her music and she um she she didn't mention that in the episode and and you know the first thing I saw when thought when I saw that she was from Minneapolis is oh Bob we've got to talk about Prince and then it never it never came up so I'm, I'm glad she emailed to say that he, he was an important figure in her life I mean how could you not be growing up in Minneapolis and being a musician eh yeah too right too right indeed yeah yeah um, well I, we hope you enjoy this episode it was a proper treat speaking to Kate um, she's a a really fascinating person and it was lovely to spend some time in our company um so thank you kate for coming on to the podcast if you're enjoying the podcast you know what to do um there's that fax you sent your mum that you're still chasing a reply to so don't let that drop you know what she's like um i'm gonna if you, can't fax, if you can't fax your mum fax my mum instead <laughs> yeah fax ben's mum she's she'll come back to you straight away um i'm she gonna will. take this opportunity to uh to, to shamelessly plug uh, a, a movie screening in london on friday the 3rd of december at uh 3 30 p.m at the south bank um bfi south bank cinema um screen three nft3 if you go along there uh there's a very interesting film playing uh having its uk premiere and i'll put a little link in the show notes if any of our london listeners would like to come along and say hello i'll be there too um so thank you for that yeah, and I'll be there too. So, oh yes, yeah. of course you will. <laughs> yeah. so, so, so come and join us. And uh, yeah, before that, uh, have a listen to episode fifty-one of Songs from a Padded Envelope with Kate Sattler. 
I'm Kate Sattler. I'm a solo artist. I live in Portland uh, currently. I'm originally from Minneapolis, and my music is very lo-fi, um, often called maybe ambient, electron, or sometimes electronic, surprisingly um, experimental. Um, and the song that we'll be hearing is called Sunspot. And the reason I chose this song um, was because it was kind of a first. It was the first song, um, although it's on my second album, it's the first song I recorded after becoming like really debilitated by lupus. I've been having symptoms before, but I really like this was the first like, okay, now music's going to look different for me. Um, and so it was a first in that way. It was a first in that I'd already released an album. So this was the first time I thought somebody might hear my music. When I released the first album, it was just a collection of songs I played only for myself. And so the idea of having an audience was a little bit different. Um, and then it was the very first song I mixed. And unfortunately, I used Adobe Audition, which is um, probably a great podcast software, but not the best for music mixing. I've since purchased Ableton, but I haven't quite made the transition, so I still use it, and um, there's some limitations. But um, it, the song, one other thing about the song, the reason I selected it is um, it does have some sort of uh, things that appear maybe once on each of my albums, um, which is it does use a pitch pipe, which I love. It's like one of my favorite instruments. Um, it just is so warm and um, some found sounds. I actually use um, also sometimes I just want to beat and I just, you know, with my, you know, vocals. Um, it has kind of flat, fragile vocals, first time vocals. I usually kind of um, not freestyle, but I'll have maybe an idea and I make it up. And I think there's a plus and minus that we can get into for that process. Um, but it has a lot of those kind of a. Uh, some of those things that you'll hear in other pieces as well. That uh, that introduction pretty much sums up why we wanted to ask you to come on the podcast. <laughs> uh, there's so, there's so much to talk about there. Um, I'm really looking forward to kind of getting into some of the things that you just spoke about there. But um, but thank you for doing this. And actually, our paths initially crossed after you'd posted on Twitter your version of Lowe's pissing, uh, which was really great. Um, can you say a bit, of, just to get us started, can you say a bit about making that version and what inspired it? Definitely. Well, Lowe is one of my just absolute all-time favorite bands. Um, I feel a little connection because they're from Minnesota, but also I felt comfortable doing a cover because, um, you know, Alan Sparhawk on Twitter, you know, who runs the Twitter account yeah. is just so friendly and kind and generous and curious and, you know, just sort of expresses a lot of wonder and joy and so I thought that's a band that would be receptive you know potentially if he heard he wouldn't be offended or like why you know like there's no yeah. copyright lawsuit you know lawsuits or anything so um but that's a song that really um has been there that's that's an album in fact a lot of Lowe's music I, I love them because I think of them as this sort of like um mood enhancing music you know if you're really down it can make you feel down in the best way possible, you know, can make you have the most enjoyable down experience. Um, at one point, I described their music as sort of checking to see if the pilot light is on. Um, it's been a seance at some point, like there's a certain album that makes me think of somebody I lost. And like, when I put that on, there's that immediacy. So I don't even listen to that one very much. Um, 
But if I'm happy that a lot of the songs, you know, like on drums and guns, there are a lot of songs that, you know, are really upbeat. So I hope that's not too specific about low, but they're just such an amazing, um, they're just so important to me and actually my whole family. It's sort of like my, <laughs> it's been something passed on through the generations. Um, and this song in particular has really gotten me through some, some difficult times. It was really pivotal for me um in a really lonely way like just a very just a very personal relationship to that song mm. and i think i just heard something i must have just been listening to it and sang along one day and the sort of ooh came you know and that was sort of the start of it and initially i thought i would do a collaboration with somebody else on it because of um, the great guitar solos it's just not something i do how could i ever make anything that noisy uh -huh. um and it's kind of a happy accident. There's a part in the regular guitar line where it just like twice it just changes notes. And so I kind of cheated and I dropped the guitar out at that point. And that's when I came back in with different riffs. So um, there's kind of a pulsing, if you note that kind of like pulsing guitar um, just takes in a slightly different direction. I used an alarm, a found sound, which is um, an alarm system I have. Um, I kind of messed with that a little bit. Again, there's some pitch pipe. Um, there's some ch -ch 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 is actually, you know, my voice. Um, but I didn't listen to the song once I started. I actually didn't go back and take a listen to the original. Um, in fact, I just heard it just like this week. I listened to it again. I felt kind of superstitious and I wanted to kind of just, um, I don't know, just wanted to like, this is how I remember. This is how it, how it feels to me. It's the it's the right thing to do to not listen once you started on that kind of cover version journey. I think because it, it's far too easy to get trapped into trying to replicate stuff, isn't it? It's my first cover, so yeah, I it seemed to work. I think I'm really happy with the result. It feels like a different song, um, and it's a really lonely song. To be honest, I really love it, but I always love the last song that I do. I think most musicians do. Yeah. You're most excited about your latest creation, but um yeah you got a nice response on twitter from alan sparhawk as well after posting oh it. my gosh oh yes <laughs> i'm gonna have that tattooed on my arm broken material. <laughs> i love it <laughs> so oh nice. you couldn't i mean i couldn't have asked for more just wow wow it's it's a really bold bold move to, to put that out there was there a bit of any trepidation attached to that when you when you posted it up um, yeah, there always is. I mean, to be honest, just personally, if I tweet something half the time, I'll delete it because I just it, have such struggle just really being perceived. I mean, it's just really, I'm a very, very self-conscious person. Um, and so, you know, I detected I have the right length is the right thing, you know, with there was a delay, is he mad, you know, but I feel like I've had enough experience that he could just ignore it, you know, if he didn't like it or would be polite. Um, is it a similar, similar, um, battle around um uh, those sorts of feelings and emotions when you're releasing your own original music as well you know it's really changing the my first album i actually called permission because i realized um i, I had started um i was pretty new to portland i started looking like oh maybe i should start playing with other musicians and joining their bands and um they're wonderful 
But it was actually my son who was like, why are you not releasing your own music? Like you have all that, you're playing everything. You have all these very complete songs. Like I just don't really understand. And it kind of felt like an imposition. And, you know, I, I realized I'd been waiting for like an invitation, you know, to, to make music, which is strange because I was interacting with all these other musicians who were just starting their own bands and going into the studio and so on. So, um, yeah, so that's why I called that permission. And a lot of the songs are, you know, I think kind of bare, but about, you know, just overcoming shyness and self-consciousness and stuff. And um, with each album, I guess I've been surprised that, to be honest, people, not everyone, I'm sure, you know, it's a small, I have a small audience so far, but um, people have responded quite favorably. And so, and I also am finding that there's something different about my music, I think, you know, I can identify some of the qualities. And part of it, I think, is that immediacy, you know, even if I sing a song where it's one phrase over and over, that phrase varies because it's coming out so immediately. Um, and so, yeah, I guess I've gotten more confidence, but it definitely started that first one was just, even that name, that permission was just, you know, like, what have I been waiting for? Um, in another part of my life, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I did start a, um, a chamber choir and yeah. I don't want to go too far off track, but, you know, for that very reason of nurturing um, composers, expanding the idea of you could be a composer, you know, you're already composing maybe, you know, um, and creating a much more open platform for that. I don't have formal training. And um, when I started doing a little bit of choral composing, I was like, well, how am I going to get to hear this? I can't, you know, sing all the parts. And so I think that's, I struggle with it so much um, with self-confidence that it's like part of my just like mission <laughs> while I'm here on this planet is to help other people be more confident with their voices. I absolutely love that. Yeah. Uh, and we're definitely going to talk some more about that uh, a, a little bit later on in the, in the in the podcast. You've talked a couple of times about mentioned that you're in Portland at the moment, um, but the, your your sort of origins are in Minneapolis, Kate. So um, can you take us back a little bit to what your background was starting out in Minneapolis? What was your sort of uh, the, the family roots there? Oh, well, I was born in New York, actually, um, but I moved to Minneapolis um, like as a teenager. And so my kind of formative years were there. I actually moved to Portland for college for two years. Um, and then I moved to Portland again <laughs> in the 90s. So this is my third move to Portland. So I've kind of been back and forth. The only other place I've lived was Italy, which was pretty formative as well. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, grew up in Minneapolis. So I actually like First Avenue when I was a kid and a teenager, I went to all the skate punk shows like that was all I could go nice. to were the all ages shows. Who's could do, you know, um, I didn't see the replacements, but they um, I was more of a who's like in the who's could do camp. But um, yeah, tons of bands came through, you know, First Avenue, everybody was there. And so when I was a teenager, I was a the little around the corner 7th street entry you know these punk rock shows and then as i got older definitely saw like everybody you know at first avenue and there was another club called the Up uptown bar but the music scene was just like phenomenal so um i played music and played with some people but i kind of got the, my eight track too soon and so when at the beginning i would have these like long songs with really complex parts and i even have some where it sounds like i'm a three-piece band i'm playing the drum kit you know the bass the guitar singing if you heard it you would think it was four or five people <laughs> but um 
then I got the eight track and started doing like instead doing more layering. And so, um, yeah, I didn't really, I didn't really have a music career there, I guess at all. Um, but have always played music, especially when I've been single. Um, yeah. And I had my kids early, you know, fairly early in my twenties and, um, so music became very, very, very part-time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, again lots lots to think about there the, um the um i want to go i just i do want to talk about seeing who's could do of course i'm incredibly jealous of that uh what, what are your memories about seeing that because obviously i mean still their their influence resonates now and in a in a big way i would say and uh, um and has has done through since they were around and uh so what are your what are your memories of seeing seeing them play I don't recall too much, to be honest, a particular show of Who's Do. I do recall more seeing Bob Mould probably afterwards. Um, but I'm trying to think, like, there were just so many shows, to be honest, at the time um, that, uh, I mean, that's all I did, really, honestly. Yeah. Are there any <laughs> was... that really stand out for you when you think about that time? Are there any other shows that really stick out? From that time? Um, yeah, I would say... One that was pretty exciting, which if I can say on this podcast, but MDC, I don't know if you know, do you know that band? Millions yeah. of Dead Cops. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that was like a really electric show in terms of like their performance and the engagement with the audience too. And even like the representation um, in the band was really powerful for people um, at the show. Um Trying to see, I remember the, I think the meat puppets like begging us to come to their show when they were just, you know, just starting out, <laughs> like, please come. <laughs> you know, couldn't have been nicer, but you know, like, that's just how they are. Um, gosh, I mean, everybody then, the Minutemen, I'm trying to think who, you know, if there was what, like. I mean, what a time, what a time. Yeah, what a time. Butthole surfers, you know, many, yeah. many times, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, I was a while, you know, I was a teenager, so there was like a lot going on i wasn't as like focused on the artistry <laughs> what is what's your route into that music scene was there a friend or friends or family that kind of led you in that direction what took you into those shows yeah good question um nothing i i don't know i think just um maybe freedom you know just like i was just able to get on the bus um i would go with a friend or two you know um was probably not a weird kid in my school, but not, you know, it's just a little bit different, you know, it's just a little bit different. And so I think um, it was just a world I was maybe more comfortable in, you know, than my daily life. And so, um, plus I was just like really into music. I mean, I was just obsessed with music. Like Bauhaus was a favorite too. Um, you know, yeah, just, Excellent. I remember walking, you know, with my little headphones, like listening to um what is it with third uncle, whatever that album is, maybe the sky's gone out. Oh, the sky's gone out. You know, like that was really pivotal. It's just like those, those emotions. Um, yeah, I think I just felt, um, it connected emotionally with me. And then that scene, I think politically connected with me. And it's funny talking about a lot of the, you know, the bands at that time, even though most, you know, it was a lot of white men, and, um, you know, dominating that scene. Sure. Um, but a lot of the political concepts are, I feel like still true today. You know, things I was marching for then, sadly, you know, still the same today, but a lot of those bands were speaking to political beliefs that, you know, that I hold, so. And were you were you very politi politically astute and conscious at that time yourself then, Kate? 
no, I would say I was not. I would say I learned a lot um, from music. Like to be, I was not very like, this is embarrassing to say, but like um, the special song about, uh, helped me understand more about apartheid, like led me into like researching more and understanding more about that. I was in a really insular world um, politically. And um, uh, yeah, so I think it actually, to be honest, it was more like it opened my eyes to that and connected me to broader political movements rather than me being involved in then coming to music. So I just feel like music, yeah, thinking about it really helped me understand I a really loneliness, maybe solitude, a lot of emotions reflected, um, a lot of uh, things I didn't see in society were represented in the lyrics, a lot of aspirational ideas, mm -hmm. um, a lot of just pure adrenaline and joy. Um, confusion i don't know just i just love like dissonance and noise and the darkness yeah. of it yeah yeah absolutely and just going back to the special song as well and, and ben's question about being political it's those sorts of songs are gateways for people they are entry mm, points and, are. and and just so important even if it just encourages a conversation or some thought or what are they singing about there, um, you know, something like Peter Gabriel's song about Steve Biko. Mm -hmm. I had no idea that chorus just caught something about it. You know, grabbed me, grabbed my collar, and drew me towards it. And I, well, I need to know who this guy was and what what's going on here. It's vitally important, and and you don't. I guess you don't see as much of that now. That might be an old man thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> Is, is there that stuff kicking around? I don't, I don't see it. That's questions to you as well, Ben. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think about it. I'm, I'm, there must be, mate. There must be. It maybe it doesn't, it, of course, it doesn't seem as prevalent to us, but there, for there must be people out there for whom it is. Because um, it doesn't always, music doesn't always have to be shouting something politically in its words to actually be a, a political in its motivation, does it? You know, like lots of the people that we've talked about who musicians that came through punk, whether either playing it or grew up listening to it. And, and, and it was more about uh, the, the attitude of it than necessary, uh, like uh, the direct messages of it. So I think there's, there's a different levels of political um, effect, aren't there? Yeah. I agree. I was a couple of songs that came to mind. One was just from that Drums and Guns, the song Murderer. I think it's on Drums and Guns, you know, by Lowe, which is like political, but not necessarily about a figure. Lil Nas X is a favorite of mine. And I think um, very political and a lot of female rappers, um, you know, especially black female rappers and owning sexuality and talking about sexuality in a way that like um, literally women's body parts were not named in any songs. Um, <laughs> And uh, the songs in the 70s were just so um, crass and kind of crude about women. And yet it's, you know, kind of shocking. So I feel like it does come out like, but I, I, I so I agree, Ben, you know, with Ben in terms of like it being maybe less pointed. Um, but I'm sure there are a lot of songs I'm not thinking of that, you know, a lot yeah. of artists. Interesting. Those ones that are just right on the nose and not even kind of poetically approaching the subject and saying, no, it's this. Yeah. Singing yeah. about Steve Biko <laughs> and yeah. what happened to him. 
So you talk you were talking before about your um your your Tascam home recorder, your eight track. And that's yeah. it's uh, task Tascam four tracks and eight tracks have, have come up a few times on the podcast over the first fifty episodes or so. Um tell us a little bit about your first experiences of recording, Kate, and what mm. inspired you to go out and buy your eight track? Oh my gosh. Um, I, so I was working in a place and someone who was probably 20 years, my senior, a man loaned me one for the weekend. And that was it. Like I was uh-huh. done <laughs> when I played, actually, when I play guitar, so I did take piano lessons as a child, so I can read music. Um, but again, with a guitar, I, I, I just, I don't, I still, to this day, don't know a chord. It's really annoying if somebody wants to play music with me and they're like, it's a, you know, it's an A, it's an A. And I have no idea what that is. Um, My mind just like, I just don't absorb that. I'm not really sure. And instead I just figure out what sounds good. And again, like that might look really awkward, (laughs) but sounds kind of cool. Um, But I had played along sometimes to other music, you know, adding my parts to other music. And so I just, I think I naturally just always heard those additional things. And so when I got four track and I was like, oh my gosh, that's great. So even now when I play music, I really only play to record and I don't sit around and play, um, I just don't play much music. I just like, I use it to express something. Um, And so I'll just play along with myself once and then that's kind of the end of it. Um, I love it. Yeah. I I, I was definitely, when I was listening to the, some of your music earlier today and I was thinking, you know, it does sound and feel very instinctive. So is it, is it very much about being in the moment for you then? So when you when you embark upon a song, do you know what it's going to be or you just make something and then you go with that? I make something and go with that. Exactly. Yes. And it, it's it varies, um, you know, might be a little vocal part, uh, might be. I just did a song that has like nail brushes. <laughs> um, <laughs> um yeah, it, it might be a bass line, it might be a drum part. Um, and a lot of my songs are sometimes I'll just pull it right off of on my last EP, there are four songs, and one of them is directly from the eight track. Um, so it's not mixed or refined at all. Um, the others right. sometimes have more layers. But um, yeah, something I'm one of those people, and I don't know where the two of you are, but I'm one of those people who just recently, you know, in the last two years learned everyone else has an inner monologue and I don't. And so um, I always knew music was how I figured out how I was feeling by what would come out of me. It was like, oh, my gosh, like, oh, this is over or like, oh, I'm feeling this way. And now I realize even more is that like because I don't have a voice in my head, like translating it into words, that music is kind of the way that I do that both um lyrically and in terms of music that's fascinating do you surprise yourself often during that process that's a good question um yeah i do i do yeah i do afterwards i won't think in words but i'll just be like oh okay that's i didn't realize like i was feeling so much this way or so worried about this or um yeah i do surprise myself yeah it's funny and it's fun how the words smell. Honestly, I think my lyrics too, um, I, I sound very 
I hope I don't sound full of myself. Actually, usually I'm on the flip side, but I think my lyrics are a little distinctive. Like on this last one, there's something around, um, you know, it, it's about trauma and hope and healing and stuff. And the words, I won't get into the details, but a lot of my words are sort of, I don't know what the word is, but um, it's not, esoteric is going to sound full of it, but it's not like personal stories, but it's sometimes very, very abstract. So the idea of describing humans as like tender, furred, absorbing light, you know, like just this, it's a different kind of language or, um, you know, we're fearing ankle bites. We can't like sort of see the bottom, you know, very like abstract concepts. But for me, they're very personal in what I'm feeling at that time. So, yeah. What is it, um, given that you make music so instinctively, it sounds like you're able to move on from from what you've done quite quickly but how is it when you go back and listen and reflect on the music that you've made what's that experience like for you honestly i love it i love listening to my music <laughs> that's great it's kind of good i make music that i like you know which isn't always the case i know i've met people before and they listen to this type of music and then they play something and it's so different it's not what they really seem to enjoy you know there's like a little bit of a gap there so i'm lucky that um that i do enjoy enjoy their music i met somebody um i just recently collaborated with a song on um my first collaboration but i was like well i like listening to your music as much as my music <laughs> it's kind of rare and i don't mean that in a um rude way like that it's so great it just it's like fits my mood you know exactly it's like exactly how i want to feel so i think that that works really well um uh, yeah so i play it only once but then i listen i listen a lot i love i, I love that it's i think it's really refreshing um what does it play another role for you when you listen back to the the things that you've recorded is it because it because it is an expression mm -hmm. you talk about you know that's it's mm -hmm your expression of how you're feeling and sometimes that might be surprising or is there some um is that useful to you that's a great question um i think i go through the love it love it love it hate it love it hate it you know like as i'm listening so it it definitely changes in that way um i think if i haven't heard something in a while yeah i think like there's a song fracture that i heard the just the other day that came up um and another song, Irreversible, like songs I haven't heard from in a while. Um, I don't know that they surprised me, but yeah, there's something sort of maybe like watching a movie and you notice, you, you don't notice something different, but you just, there's a feeling you'd forgotten about or like a, a visual that you've forgotten about that's really meaningful um, for sure. But this experience of collaborating with another artist this was a song, this song with the nail brushes that I mentioned. I just, I have a guitar, two basses, um, the nail brush, and just this one line. Um, and quite a sad line, but also where I am, it's evolving a little bit, a little bit, a little bit like um, a sense of self worth. Um, and, um, when I sent it, okay, it's, it's called I, I Don't Deserve Silence. But when I sent it to this other artist, I was like, I, I'd keep working on this, but do you want to try something? And he's like, yes. So he did something. And actually hearing it back is what really moved me. Like I'd been wanting to feel sad and I couldn't quite get the emotion out. I couldn't really get in touch with that emotion with myself. And I just 
to be honest, I sobbed when I heard it. It was like, this was the release that I really needed. So hearing my own voice and some of my own pieces reflected back, I think with the beat, because when I woke up the next day, it was like a little bit more, um, you know, hammering it over and over in my head. And it just really was very affecting. That's fantastic. Yeah, that really is. Um, and was there a bit more back and forth between the two of you? Or was, was that you sent the stuff over and came back to you and that was finished or some more refining on it? How did it work? Yeah. Um, uh, he sent it back. Um, I sent the stems and he sent something back. I don't know. I want to say within the week. Um, he's incredibly fast. That was amazing and i was like just do what you'd like i someone did a remix of one of my songs too and it was somebody i trusted you know and i was just like do whatever you like i mean i'm surprised because i'm so feel like i'm so controlling but i feel like now that i have like my voice out there and established i'm more comfortable with other people being free with it um but he sent it back and i think was going to make a couple of technical tweaks um said he was going to add some easter eggs so we must have some little production things that he puts in there um and um yeah we haven't released it yet so we'll need to decide decide how to do that i should have checked to see if i could say his name but i'll just i'll just wait um <laughs> wait till that comes out maybe um that's fascinating it is really fascinating i'm really intrigued by this by the sort of um the improvised nature of what what you're doing and uh and the way that it works as expression for you does that ever come with any sort of urgency to make some music like like you feel like it's part of a a, a catharsis or or a, or a working of something out like I, I need to go make some music right now yes 100 percent. it is my coping mechanism and it's one of the things that's really difficult with um lupus because um yeah when i when i feel the urgency when i feel that need for um to uh play some music as kind of a coping mechanism or emotional catharsis. Um, it does happen sometimes that I'm my disability gets in the way and I don't have the energy. Um, and it's quite frustrating to, I'm such a driven person. I mean, if so many, like my dreams are so big, not my, my dreams personal, personal wise, this is the first year actually only with music have I started kind of pursuing personal goals versus like communal and community goals. And I kind of had to wrestle with like, is that okay? Is that immoral? Is it like, you know, egotistical to like make my own music? Um, but uh, on all fronts, I have like huge goals and it's challenging to not have the energy, um, the concentration, even being on the computer, I can't be on the computer very long. So like for mixing, you know, things like that will be on. That is a, a difficult thing, but to there's nothing like it when I am feeling bad. Um, it's just there's nothing like it. I don't know if you two feel that way too. Totally, totally, yeah. yeah. I think I think music has saved us on many occasions, eh? Many times, yeah. When you talked a bit earlier on in the conversation about you know the start of your lupus and realizing that it was there was something you know, it was there and how it might affect you. Um, what was it that enabled you to to push through some of that to carry on making music? What was it, what gave you the strength to do that? Um, well, one great thing that happened was I did start that choir 
um, that chamber choir. I don't know if that's okay to mention now, but it, sure. people came to my house. And so that was really nice. I got some social interaction. Um, I'm not really able to go outside because I'm so sensitive to UV rays that I literally got sick. I might be bedridden from a day, you know, an afternoon in the sun. Um, so kind of have a vampiric <laughs> existence. Um, but people came right into my home to practice every week. And that was like really restorative and wonderful. Um, I lived in a different place there then, but um, in Portland. Um, but the other thing is um, I did like a music project. I sort of like set a goal, um, you know, of like, oh, I'm going to submit music for this particular thing. And that's the, that's that's what got me back to to um, get the task cam out and <laughs> start playing music again. Can you yeah. tell us a little bit more about um, Forrest? Uh, the, the the chamber choir because you've meant you've mentioned it a couple of times there and um I, I, am i right in thinking that you're not able to perform together at the moment is it is because because of covid is that is there's still restrictions that don't allow kind of group singing we i, I work in a a, a a community arts charity and we have a, a a quite a large community music project called the ghostbusters and and they're uh they're not allowed to meet at the moment. It's all taking place online, and I know how how much of a uh, an issue that is for people because it's a real anchor point in people's routines, and you know, in terms of well being and mental health, and and uh, and so and you know, social opportunities and reducing isolation and those sorts of things. Is that part of what is behind Forest? Yeah. Um, well, Force was really was started when I saw all the barriers and all the obstacles and just the exclusive nature of choral music and probably class, you know, so-called classical music. Um, you know, I don't have a degree. I don't have a background. It's, it was really strange to me. That seems to be a field where people like to write, like I study with so-and-so and there's all this sort of credentialism. Um, and when I was looking, you know, at opportunities to be heard, um, there were just so many barriers, you know, you might, you know, calls for, so Forest was set up so that people who are new could like hear what is some, what does a piece sound like with the human voice, you know, I mean, there's just no replicating that. Um, and so it was set up for that, but we very intentionally have a really open call submission process. It's, it's designed for people who have heard their work performed once, twice, three times, you know, at most, and there are no fees. And if your score isn't completely ready, you know, we can help you get it there. Um, just a lot of, oh, themes, really open-ended themes. So people are not intended, you know, we do not want people to spend time on a piece for a particular theme um, that may or may not, you know, I mean, that's just taking advantage of artists and just really disrespecting their time, I think, for them to create something for a call for scores that may not make it. So just pull something out that you already have and, it'll, you know, figure out how to like shoehorn it into this really, really broad theme. And um, yeah, I meant to pull the statistics before our conversation today, but um, we had a great diverse group of composers the first year. Um, the second year we had conducting um, sort of like people who've never conducted before got to, you know, who are learning that got to do that. And the composers in the choir meet and have a little back and forth. And it's just really just this warm nurturing, just like really open inclusive vibe that um, people have remarked is really different. The singers love, 
seem to love it. And um, it just is so different, I think, you know, and just makes it more accessible for people to even see themselves as a composer. So I absolutely love it. That's so yeah. brilliant. Yeah. And it must, <laughs> it must have been an amazing, amazing time to be doing. I don't know when Forrest began, Kate, but mm -hmm. it must be to be making to be making that sort of venture through the Trump era and a very, very difficult time to be uh, an American, I guess, to be in that sort of that political climate to be doing something of that nature must have been very affirming. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it that way. Um, in part, it, it, it was being an American at that time, my other job in life, I do a lot of activism, both professionally and personally. So I do run a social a creative agency for social groups and do a lot of use art um, for social causes. But yeah, I think that too, people felt connected for sure. Um, in terms of, in terms of the mission and the work of Forrest. Um, actually one early piece, I was just remembered that I had sung, I haven't had much choral work sung, but for a campaign around, um, education, um, educational justice, there was a little work I had that was like, there aren't any lyrics, it's just sounds, but there was a children's choir with all these, I think there were like 75 kids from different schools throughout Minneapolis, all ages sang this and we used it in a PSA that then ran in movie theaters. <laughs> it was really warm. So I love connect you because I'm, I mean, that's just like, that's what gets me so enthused. <laughs> but yeah, definitely. I mean, it, 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 it was sort of like, where do you begin, you know, when, you know, after that election. And I think it was really paralyzing because there's always actions to be taken, but it felt so overwhelming. Um, yeah, um, it did start in 2019. Um, and so we had concerts in 2019 and then a concert in 2020. We had have a repertoire ready to go of amazing composers, really great mix. They're so excited. Um, we're so excited, but it's been on hold and I just want to wait till it's absolutely one, you know, past safe, you know, <laughs> like no risk, no liability. It's just not worth it. Um, it's a wonderfully, uh, uh unique, uh, project. Uh, have you have you do you know of any other similar initiatives in, in, in other places, maybe not just maybe not even in the US or in other places that you've been able to connect to? Or is that something that you're looking to do? I don't I haven't even looked for them um, in I know um, in Minneapolis, I was kind of waiting for something to happen. And um, I, I, I actually had a piece performed with something called First Readings Project, where it was um, for emerging composers. That was kind of similar. That was maybe in 2011. Um, and they had, it was just sort of a one night performance and they had amazing singers. So from some of the, you know, really renowned choirs sang through the piece kind of for at first glance. Um, so uh, but I don't think that's in existence anymore, but we have received submissions from all over the world. And so there's definitely demand for it. Um, could be something replicated. And we also hosted these like salons, <laughs> which sounds a little fancy, but um, of uh, people bringing their works, you know, and just sharing it and getting feedback from lots of different people. And, um, you know, just kind of that peer to peer learning and, and stuff. So. And creating yeah. the opportunity for people to hear their work. Yeah, is, I mean, what a wonderful, wonderful thing. I mean, that's what sort of uh, feedback have you had from people that have heard their music back and had that, you know, received that opportunity? That must be uh, really, really exciting. 
Really exciting. Yeah, really exciting. Um, a lot of pride, I think. Um, I think it and it also helps them. I mean, the other thing is that then somebody, you know, then they're performed. So now I think they can leverage that to get into the, you know, they're now they have a foot yeah. in the door. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a really big deal for people. So um, uh, you really feel like you're a composer. But um, yeah, I think it's been really, people have said it's been really, really gratifying. Just the whole process, really warm, wonderful, to, you know, wonderful group to work with. I think somebody called us delightful. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the experience nice. was delightful, which I think like, that's hard to be, you know, I mean, you know, that's, that's how you want it to be. Um, yeah. And the pieces have been so different. So I think the fact that we're willing to take some risks, you know, creative risks and, open all kinds of styles is exciting for both the singers um, and the composers. And to be honest, a lot of singers um, maybe haven't sung before, and this felt more comfortable for them as well, um, coming in uh, and being able to figure out what kind of singer am I, what, you know, what role do I want to have here and feel like they're contributing. So. Ben, this is like a, a, a completely new aspect to demo making that we've never you know, course, dreamed about covering in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. And yeah, it's got some of those lovely resonances, hasn't it? Yeah. Like the, the global connectivity. Tell us about, you know, how far submissions have come in to the country, where countries they've come from, Kate, and how it feels when you get a submission from someone from another part of the world. Yeah, it feels really wonderful. And also it feels it feels wonderful. Um, it's interesting, some submissions, you know, people are still attaching their resumes. Some people have performed everywhere, you know, still looking for a place to perform. But also it is unfortunate that I think there aren't that many places, you know, there aren't that many opportunities for first-time composers to get to hear their works performed. And so um, I think it just points out that lack that lack of it. So we're ready to continue to grow. I mean, one of, we have a number of goals and, you know, it's on our website and everything, but part of it is to influence other performing arts organizations to take a chance and to include more living, you know, diverse composers, um, emerging composers in their programming as well. So ambitious goals. <laughs> I apologize for the big digression. It's they are like two worlds of my music, but they don't, you know, should they be? I'm not really sure. And I think my next step as a musician, and you may have a question about that, but we'll kind of bring some of that together. Um, um yeah, what are what are your ambitions and aspirations? I think Kate is where we're going <laughs> with that. <laughs> well, when I so I when I started, when I put out my first album, I had a list of like 15 people I just really admire kind of like around the world, like, oh, I'd love for these people to hear my music and enjoy it. Like the whole world doesn't need to hear, but I would love like for these people to because their work has meant so much to me. It could be writers, artists, musicians. Oh, and you, so you, you on. can't um, you can't keep us hanging like that. You've got to tell yeah, us at least some of yeah, them. You do. Oh gosh, I'll have to pull it up on my phone in a minute. Um, but that's but that's um, yeah, those are there are a few there. I'm happy to share that list. Um, and um, I would like to hear more people hear my music. Yeah, I realized it's it, now that I've I was so shy and. Um, you know, rolling it out at the beginning, but now that I found that people enjoy it, and as I recognize, I love other people's music, you know, um, you know, that's like, why deny somebody if they'd want to hear it. So I'd like to do more. 
I love my process now, but I also don't want to just keep repeating it or have 10 albums that are all, you know, the same. Um, but I actually had a, a, like either a something that's either like a book, a curriculum or a series of zines that I'm doing around. Um, it's <laughs> I'm very into psychology <laughs> and I wish people knew more about themselves. I wish I had. I think that's what music did is I really did not have a grown up. I didn't have an adult looking out for me or interested in me. And I think music filled some of that that void. Um, and I think if young people in particular know more about you know, I think especially the message, it's not you, you know, it's the environment you're in, it's the messages you're getting, it's all of this, like, that's so close to my heart. Um, so I have this kind of like content of like making this information much more accessible. It's called going with the grain. <laughs> it's my idea. It's like always like, let's go with the grain. Like, what are your strengths? Like, let's, you know, work with that. Um, but it's built around like, who we are and why. So everything from astrology, DNA, um, you know, the kind of innate sense, um, uh, you know, family systems, trauma, things like that. Um, what we need, which is like security, imagination, you know, some of those concepts, and then how to ask for and accommodate it. So it's, it's very like, it's very kind of conceptual. But um, I think I'm going to put in for a grant to actually turn that into musical interpretations of some of those sort of themes. Um, so I'd already or kind of organized this content. So it'll be my first project where I'm quite intentional, aside from pissing, um, <laughs> the song pissing, um, where I'm thinking about like, what are the things that I want to say ahead of time? Um, and I think it's been my journey. You know, this last one, that was a lot of like, it's actually, my music is extremely personal. Um, it's not storytelling, so people wouldn't necessarily know what happens and hopefully it applies to their life. But this last album, somebody listened and said, oh, it was really helpful. I felt it, I felt um, like I felt really good. I felt it was sort of like healing in a way. Um, and so I'm hoping that this can kind of fill that as well. I wonder if that sort of connection where somebody is saying, oh, I found that really healing is, is coming from the sort of unencumbered way you're expressing yourself. You know, there's a, 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 a very, very immediate, unfiltered expression that isn't going to, I mean, you can't fail to connect with that if it resonates with you and what, you know, where the emotion that you're expressing somebody, you know, other people are going to get that. A listener is going to get that if they're in a similar place. And that's a, that's, a, that's making music from a real position of strength, I think, isn't it? So I can I can totally see how that would translate into the project that you're describing. That's, that's not really a question. <laughs> no, it's I just, love it. I'm I, agreeing with I, you. I, 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 no, I appreciate it because I don't really know. I, I, you know, I've just only recently kind of reflected on like I think as I'm hearing more music and seeing people struggle to maybe put me in a you know my music in a particular box, has made me wonder you know, what's distinct about me. And as I'm listening to more, say, ambient music, there's maybe more similarities among the artists that I'm, that I hear in that category. You know, there's something a little bit different about me because I do have vocals and yet the vocals are so low in the mix that it's not really that indie kind of music. And so hearing that feed, you know, the feedback of how, what you hear in it is really, I'm very interested to hear what, how, how you would describe it or or the, the yeah. percussion you've talked about percussive ideas a couple of times linked to linked to your songs and that's one of the things that has that has uh 
well, you can't describe it as jumping out, but as uh, uh, but as I've really noticed mm. the percussion in that yeah. it, it's really interesting and really draws you in. And I think there's a it sounds really approach. integral, doesn't it? it sounds really it integral to the music. It does. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Well, I always, I, I always think my song, my music doesn't have that much percussion, so that's quite interesting. Um, yeah, but those little, those little there, motifs that are in there, you know, you're talking about yeah. using just your voice to do it, or um, yeah. the, 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 the descriptions that you've had before, and some of the, there's just those little things, those little kind of movements of percussion mm-hmm. that run through things, um, is one of the things that stood out. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, and there definitely are quite a lot of found sounds. I have um, window screens on one song, um, coffee beans shaken on another, um, a little wooden game where the little ball rolls around. Um, so there's some some unusual sounds in there. Um, <laughs> so I'm chuckling because it, uh, Ben and I play in a band, uh, and Paul the singer does sim- similarly likes to use his vocals to create percussion particularly in demoing but I just had a moment of remembering being in the studio uh and Paul doing uh like a drum track a percussion track on an old uh it was like a cash cash register yeah uh, yeah toy yeah, uh, yeah. kids toy yeah. uh, but it's a, a metal one like a um aluminium was it uh, aluminium I guess maybe it, it was horrible mate. It was I've still got it somewhere it's decaying and it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah but drumming on it in this corridor yeah, yeah. with miking up this old ca- tin cash register <laughs> but it sounds brilliant yeah. on the song doesn't it at the in the outro to the song yeah yeah we had we had that we had a bike wheel that was good and the mouth oh, drum. Yeah. And, and the legendary yeah. mouth drums as well of course of course yeah <laughs> yeah i do have a skateboard on i do actually have a skateboard on one too yeah that's oh, nice. great yeah. um yeah that's really fun and um i think another thing too is that i do i don't mic things it's just the built-in mics to the task cam so i wonder if part of like i feel like that immediacy is mm. i don't know if you get this feeling that you're in the room you know there's something mm-hmm. like very human and you almost yeah. can feel the there's something tactile maybe with the percussion and just the way that the recording process there's a little shh, unfortunately you know underneath everything I tried to filter out the noise, but, um, and I'm so shy that I have to sing. I even at home, I sing really quietly. Like <laughs> you can barely hear it. Like it's amazing. I've come light years away, but like, I just get very, very shy. And so I have to like, it's hard to get good levels. Um, that way. Okay. It sounds, it sounds like with the mention of the Tascam again, it sounds like there's a very personal relationship between you and the Tascam. Like it's like, it's a close friend. I know it is when I had when I had one of those really big ones and it died I was like I've got to bury this like there needs to be some sort of ceremony you know ritual like (laughs) you were we were so close you know I'm gonna miss you um yeah I had a hard time going from that tape I mean those early days of the tape to like this kind of more black box where you put stuff in and don't know the one I have I mean it's it's this big it's you know eight inches you know long or something it is really really tiny but Oh, I do love it. Yeah, I need to. I I do need to set up. I need to be more sophisticated with my like with my setup and actually have a vocal microphone. I think, um, but so far it's worked okay. Yeah, I guess for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I, and I, I was wondering about that when you were talking about ambitions and things and about um, where you want to uh, and the way that you make music 
but also mm-hmm. the the impact of the the recent collaboration that you've done does some of your ambition um would it would it be exciting to you to have uh, to go into a you know to work with a, a an engineer in a in a big studio with like amazing mics that worked in particular ways that you could explore still working in the way that you work but with a more um uh, resources for for actually capturing audio that would lend themselves to the to your style of music making and in, and use it that to enhance it and uh, and maybe working with other people that you could direct to you know yeah. improvise with you and that's what I was thinking of about you know that kind of group collaborative mm-hmm. um does that sound is that something that's appealing to you it's hard to picture it's i think it's something i'm wrestling with right now so um i it's going to be really helpful as i put together this grant application for the project i think it's helping me figure out okay like what kind of equipment might i need i have a piano that's in my basement and you know i could put money in to move it up or maybe i can ask for a weighted piano i mean i have no idea if i'll get this grant but for example you know having the you know piano again would be really wonderful having some professionals come help me with my setup and maybe making my studios as professional as possible i think for this i might have an artist for each song um contribute something uh where i've seen them or heard them or read them say something that i think connects to that um i want to get some instruments um but the sound is really different um like when i collaborated with another artist and i'm okay with that like i could see an album that's just i think collaborations you know different artists um interpretations you know or like i give a little bit and then they create something but i think I think it I think it is that balance where the the immediacy and the really organic stuff. Um I'm not I love I actually really I don't know if I love I I quite like most of my lyrics, but if I were to think about them as lyrics and like sit down and write words, I feel like I would give them a weight that they don't have right now. Um I feel like they'd be it'd be like me trying to write poetry. It just I don't know. <laughs> not me where right now my vocals is are more like an instrument so i'm kind of wrestling with all that um i think if there were you know where you go to that space and you have a lot of time and it's an environment where you're relaxed and you trust the person that could happen um i'm I'm not really sure sorry i don't have a good answer i think i'm it's just sort of starting to take shape this will be the really the first time that i'm intentional about it versus like you know, even with this EP, um, I realized I had these three songs and then I finished one, you know, that fit together thematically um, around this theme, Flood the Engine. So this is the first time I'm thinking of the concept before I even begin. So um, it'll be new. I, I'm, I'm excited. I love a challenge, you know, yeah. I really want to push myself. Um, but I want to keep what, you know, I mean, that's every artist's dream, I guess. You want to keep what's you and grow. <laughs> yeah. The, the essence will remain intact for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're 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 heading towards the hour mark. Uh, do do uh, Ben, do you want to uh, move into oh, the final? Yeah, I want to I want to force Kate to tell us at least three of the people off the list of fifteen oh, people, yes. please, Kate. Yes. <laughs> Top three. <laughs> Top three. Yeah. Oh, Justin shoot. Bieber. Oh, I turned my phone off. <laughs> uh, I have my phone off. I don't have my list handy. Um. 
Well, one I've already, I mean, I, I think there are two or three who've already heard it. And um, well, two people, uh, Alan Sparhawk was one, Walter Chaw, film critic, um, actually was another, and I'd forgotten he was on my list. And he randomly um, had some really nice words about my music that he oh, tweeted. Cool. Yeah, and then later when I was looking at that list, I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> He was on there and he's listening to it. So, um, and there's another um, writer. I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not gonna name them because I just had a personal correspondence with them. They didn't say anything publicly, but um, there was a, a a writer I really, really admire, um, and she uh, downloaded the album, and she was someone I wanted to have here. So, how um, cool! Great. You're yeah. doing what you did. Thank- you've hit three off your list of fifteen. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's Young fathers. I'd love to. I'd love to. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got little bits of Joanna Newsom from some of your music as well. I don't know if you're oh. a fan of Joanna Newsom, but I got little little bits of that from some of her quieter moments. Uh, it's it, that's interesting. It's just sorry, real quickly, one more time. Is nobody's ever mentioned the same influence twice, like oh. no or comparison, yeah. not once. How Every cool. single time with somebody new, and I've never gotten Joanna this one before either. So that's one to add to my list. They're great. Well, we are we are um we are we are creeping over the the hour mark. So can we just sure. sort of head head towards the the end? But uh, we'd like to just sort of talk a little bit more about um, Sunspot, if we could please uh as that's a song we're going to hear at the end um you sent us over a quite a nice description uh, audio description of the track that you'd submitted to the uh, rise up music project but i just wondered if you could say a little bit more about the track and uh the inspiration behind it um and and, and some of the themes in there i know you've touched touched on it at the beginning but um if you could yeah. say a little bit more about that that'd be great sure the um yes so sunspot i wasn't familiar with that term before, but I guess it is like this sort of spot on the sun where I think it's um, cooler than everything else, but really wreaks a lot of havoc. And the song was about um, kind of the numbness of depression, not feeling sad, but just not feeling and, you know, trying to find a silver lining, you know, like, while other people are going through all this stuff. Yeah, I just am feeling really numb. But I'd also recently um, watched Ex Machina, and um, was thinking about uh, artificial intelligence and this idea of kind of putting on a skin or a husk. And when you're depressed, that kind of feeling and just blending the lines between like, am I really human? Am I just uh, uh, chemicals, you know, wandering through um, through this world? And so that's what this meaning is for this song. Kate, thank you so much. It's been a uniquely fascinating conversation with you. I'm so glad we reached out to you to find out more about your music because it is Uh, inspiring and fascinating in equal measures and so thank you for taking time to speak to us yeah and you talked about being shy and none of that came across at all Kate I love (laughs) I love I love your the eloquence with which you how you describe your music making and your creativity yeah agreed agreed thank you both Um, so much would would you uh please introduce the song that people are going to hear now please this is Sunspot by Sweet Freeze Thank you, Kate. Yeah, thanks, Kate.
Songs from a Padded Envelope is presented, produced and edited by Steve Swindon and Ben Clay. Music is by state-sponsored Jukebox. Artwork is by Matt Canning. Songs from a Padded Envelope is a Hidden Hive production. (laughs) 